All right, good morning. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Marty. Michael Oskin, the executive director here, and I have the privilege and honor to bring you the message this morning, which we're going to talk about uh, continuing chapter 7 of the book, Good to Great in God's Eyes by Chip Ingram. And this week, we're going to talk about uh, chapter 7, which is making great sacrifices. <clears throat> so over the last few weeks, uh, we've been talking about a variety of things. We've been talking about uh, thinking great thoughts, uh, reading great books, uh, pursuing great people, risk, which I heard was a good sermon last week that Jake brought. Uh, and this week, we're going to be talking about making great sacrifices. So whenever I mention sacrifices, what comes to mind? Giving up something. What else? Money, of course. I'm not going to talk about money. I talked about that a couple months ago. I'm not going to ask you to, to give that. What, what else? Cost, pain, maybe your life. Those are all right things. To quote Jesus, he said, the greatest love is to lay down one's life for another. This is what he did. He traded, our, he traded his life for our sins to give us a road to salvation. So he calls us to kind of do the same thing for him, in essence. While some may literally risk and ultimately give their life, uh, today I want to talk about as Christians how we should be a living sacrifice. That's a pretty powerful word if you think about it. So we're going to talk about that, a living sacrifice, and what that means and, and how you can kind of partake in that. And maybe you already are, and that would be fantastic. If not, we're going to walk through a couple truths to kind of walk through with that that means. But God just doesn't want to forgive our sins. Uh, he wants to see our life transformed and even to take a step further for us to transform the lives of others. So in Romans 12, Paul teaches about what it truly takes to worship God. So let's look at Romans 12 verses 1, through, 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you, to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So what does a living sacrifice mean? It kind of walks you through uh, what that talks about and what the end result, what is acceptable and right for God in our lives. So it means to give ourselves to God, our entire selves. So if we talk about uh, our minds, what do we think about? If it talks about our physical selves and our bodies, what do we do for God? It means sacrifice your physical time to serve others. So this could be something as simple as going to the pregnancy clinic. We've talked about that many times in a mission opportunity here. It could be going and volunteering or taking food to a local food bank. We do that here, and that's a, that's a missionary or a mission opportunity. It could be even be in our personal lives, counseling someone in, in that's our friend or family through a divorce or even something more tra tragic. That's what I'm talking about. But it's just not physical, it's spiritually. So do you spend time praying every day? Uh, do you study God's word every day or on a regular basis? And do you connect with other believers? We talk about that 
uh, just now whenever I said, you know, greet your neighbor and talk to each other? Are you connecting through life group? Are you connecting through church? Are you doing more uh, physically uh, for God? So if you do read the book and you're read through chapter 7, we talked about the story of the, the pearls. Does anybody know about the story of the pearls other than just giving them out whenever you came in? All right, good. Then this will be new, and this will be great. So a little girl had a favorite, favorite toy. She had a strand of pearls like these. Uh, she, asked to give, she was asked to give those expensive fake pearls up uh, to actually something that's more genuine, actually pearls that, that are worth a whole lot more than the plastic ones that I have here, and I can't remember what I paid. It was probably like about a nickel, I think, a piece for these. Uh, so don't, don't feel bad. Let's pretend that the ones you have are actually real, and I paid a lot of money for them and gave them out. But uh, they're fake. They're, not, they're worth pennies. Um, and she was asked to trade those pennies on the dollar and for real pearls, it was probably worth thousands of dollars. But she didn't want to make that trade. She found it really difficult to do that. Why wouldn't she give them up? Because they were hers? Maybe she earned them, saved up for them. Maybe she was at a local carnival and won them and thought, hey, I won something. I'm going to keep these forever and cherish them. Whatever the, whatever the reason, these were important to her. And just like the ones that are around your neck, or probably, and I'm going to talk about this, thing, represent things that are important to you. So why wouldn't she give them up? Let me ask you a question. Do you have any pearls in your life, any plastic pearls that you don't want to give up? Regardless if you want to admit it or not, I guarantee you have some. I have some. We all do. Maybe they're not worn around your neck for everybody to see like these. Maybe they're real personal. Maybe nobody even knows that you have those pearls in your life that you're grasping onto and you won't give them up for anything. You won't sacrifice them. So let's take a look at this slide, the next slide here. And these are some pearls just to, to make a point uh, what they are, but if you look at them, I have the White House there, so uh, you can talk about our pearls could be our job title. Maybe it's so important that, that you're willing to sacrifice anything on this earth, earth for your job title. Could be the newest car or truck, maybe boat. Maybe it's a mansion on the water overlooking the bay or ocean in, in Ocean City. Uh, maybe it's a vacation property or just a vacation that you save up a lot of money for. Maybe it's just money. I have $100 bills there. Maybe it's just money. Or like I said, maybe it's even something more than that. It's not the obvious physical things that we can see. But maybe it's something that you have censored for your family and friends or your people that you go to church for. Maybe nobody even knows that this exists in your life. These are things that you keep secret and you censor. All these things are trophies. They're, but are these things, do you love them more than you love God? You put them in front of God. Um, or are they just something that's maybe a result of a reward from God through your sacrifices? So it's, it's going to be one or the other. Um, so do they, do they get in front of God or not? And I'm sure that the answer for all of you is going to be absolutely not. They don't get in front of God. But often they do. And we don't seem to want to admit it, um, but they do. Instead of these earthly things... We should invest in the future, which is in heaven, our salvation. Those are things that we need to put first. We need to put God first and sacrifice that. 
Our salvation is way too valuable. So we need to think beyond just good enough to greatness. And that's what we're going to talk about today. As believers, we need to take the next step on uh, being good being great and going beyond just giving up the minimum for God. Like coming to church for one hour today and listening to me. That's great. It is. But what about the other six days, 23 hours? What about tomorrow? What are you doing tomorrow? Remember I went back to those things about praying, spending time in God. What are you doing tomorrow? What are you doing on Tuesday? What about next Saturday? Um, where, where are you at? Are you fulfilling those things? Or are you putting God first and then these come second um, after God? And I ask you to think about that today. You, me, we have to do more for God. Things that, remember, going back to Romans 12, things that he finds acceptable. And that, that takes it beyond thinking of the human side of us. The human side is, well, if I have a good job, if I have money, if I have these boats and stuff, I'm doing great. But is that what God finds acceptable? And I want to link this up to even worship. I talked a lot a couple months ago about our finances and a way to worship. Very much the same with our physical and spiritual lives. Do we do things to worship him? Uh, do we become a living sacrifice? Do we go from just good and minimal to great? Those are things that we're going to talk about. So I have four truths that I'm going to talk about today. These are truths that motivate Christians to go beyond just good to great, and offer themselves as a living sacrifice for God. So let's look at the first truth. First truth is how great Christians understand God's unconditional love. <laughs> Our sacrifice should be in response to God's love. It should be a, a sign of sacrifice. It should be a sign of gratitude. It should not be just a simple exchange. I'm willing to give up something, but that means that God's going to just open up the pearly gates. I'm going to walk right in, and it's going to be great if I give up this fancy truck and pay $70,000 for it. It doesn't work like that. Let's look at Luke 7, uh, verses 44 to 48. It talks about Jesus and a sinful woman. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only little love. Then Jesus said to the woman, your sins are forgiven. All right, how many of you and guests come over doing these things? I was curious, because if, invite me, okay. Parrington's, I'm going to invite me over for dinner. All right. So in this scripture, Jesus visits Simon's house for dinner. Uh, Simon, and it shows there, Simon really neglects, and Jesus tells him, you've neglected me in those common courtesies that uh, that were expected back then, and frankly, are even expected today to a degree. Uh, but the common courtesy for somebody visiting um, another's house or something is to uh, wash their feet and, and greet them and, and kiss them and all that good stuff. Just like normally we would do for our guests, maybe not to that extreme, 
Um, but maybe it's just something simple like, do you want a glass of water? Do you want a drink? How about some iced tea? Have a seat, you know, relax, take your shoes off. Um, maybe have some food and, and things like that. We do that a lot when guests come over. Um, and that's basically what was going on there in, in Simon's house. But a woman with a bad reputation steps in and shows Jesus the respect and the common courtesy, and even probably takes it a little bit beyond um, than what Simon was giving. Someone that was kind of the lowly of the lowly, uh, very sinful, bad reputation, um, steps in and shows God the re- or Jesus the respect that uh, he so deserved. Uh, this woman did an extraordinary act of sacrificial love. Um, so a lot of this was physical, um, but some of it was then spiritually it transformed into that uh, because Jesus had forgiven her sins. So these passages in Luke talk about how our past is washed away, how we're forgiven by Jesus, and that was an illustration of somebody that had a really bad past um, and was forgiven. And then she, because of that, uh, because of that situation, she gave him, gave Jesus some great love and, and took care of him. Um, it's not her love that Jesus, it's not her love for Jesus that caused her to forgive him. It's her forgiveness that she already received that prompted her to love and to do those things for Jesus in Simon's house. She recognized the depth of her sin. Uh, and because of that, she then realized how powerful Jesus' love was and could just, and couldn't help but to step up and, and give him the respect and the love in return. So our sins and past discretions are forgotten. When we surrender for, to God, he forgives it all, washes us clean. God let his son, Jesus, be crucified so that we may have salvation. So Jesus was, our, was the final sacrifice uh, for you and me. So how do you forgive? It talks in there about often a little, um, then you love a little, uh, how do you forgive someone? Um, this is always something that I use to kind of illustrate forgiveness, but what about those that are serving in prison? Uh, what about a, even a murderer? Somebody that's killed one or two or three or half a dozen people sitting on death rows for their crimes. Do they deserve forgiveness? Do they deserve our love? Does God even love them? So I know prison ministry is always on my heart for one thing or another. I haven't gone into prison yet. I think if you asked my wife, she'd think I was crazy. And if I did that, the divorce papers may be in the mail. Um, so it's probably glad that she's not here. But it's something that's been on my heart. Haven't done it yet. It's something I'm praying about a lot. But I have a desire to go, in, go into prisons and tell those people that are serving time for doing maybe something that's not that serious or something that's horrible in the eyes of the world, Uh, but to tell them that God still loves them and that he has not forsaken them, but he's actually forgiven them. He knows what their name is. Just like the song we just sang, we're all children of God. That includes those that aren't sitting here today. It includes people that have sinned against us. Um, It includes those that even killed people um, and are sitting on death row today. God still loves them. God's still waiting for them to turn to him so that he can save them. Um, And uh, they're not forgotten. So, Jesus tells us in Matthew 5 that we should love all people. God showed his love by sending Jesus to die for us. That's for everybody. Jesus didn't come down and be crucified just for a few people, but for everybody. 
So remember that Luke had said in the passage we have up there that those who only forgive a little versus those that forgive a lot. So no matter how bad or what you've done, even our family members that family members that have sinned against us, coworkers, maybe even people in church, and I know a lot of people don't want to think that people come to church don't sin, uh, but all those that, that affect us, um, sin against us, talk bad about us, um, they still deserve our forgiveness. Um, just like that woman in uh, Simon's house. Uh, so that's how we go from good to great uh, for the first truth, is to think about those people, pray for them, and forgive them, and show them love um, in our lives. So the second truth. The next truth motivates great Christians to offer themselves as a living sacrifice is that they embrace God's relational economy. That's a pretty powerful word. We're going to talk about that. But let's start by listening to Luke 21, verses 1 through 4, about a widow's offering. While Jesus was in the temple, he watched the rich people dropping their gifts in the collection box. Then a poor widow came by and dropped in two small coins. I tell you the truth, Jesus said, this poor widow has given more than all the rest of them, for they have given a tiny part of their surplus, but she, poor as she is, has given everything she has. So in these passages, Jesus is contrasting sacrificial offering uh, of a poor widow against those that have a lot more surplus, a lot more money. They're essentially rich. No matter what our gifts are, no matter what our sacrifices are, they need to reflect our love for God. And those go tie, in, those tie hand in hand. Our love and our sacrifices go tie, in, tie together. The widow's gift here has been much more than what others have given because it's all she had to live on. If you think about that, this, uh, everybody know, well, people notice that there's two coins. She only dropped those two coins in and think about it. Maybe it's those two silver coins versus maybe some gold coins back then or, or more currency. But today, imagine somebody dropping just a few coins in and, and clanking at the offering bucket and then somebody else bringing, you know, hundreds of dollars or cash or things like that. Um, so people did notice that. But the point that, that, uh, that we're making here and what Jesus is making is that she gave all that she had. She gave until it literally hurt. This is all that she had, uh, both literally as far as the money in her pocket um, or in her accounts, but also spiritually as literally this is what she had figuratively. Um, this, is, this is it. Uh, so when God measures love, our love and devotion, he doesn't look at the size of our gifts. It could literally be $5 a week or it could be $5,000 a week. Um, it's more important to us of how many zeros are at the end than it is to God. God looks at our heart and why are we giving that amount? Uh, why are we offering up these resources uh, versus the actual cash and currency and, and how many zeros we add at the end? It's, it comes from the heart. It comes from our sacrifice. Um, and that's what's important. So it doesn't matter the amount. It matters the heart of the giver. So we should not put limits um, on our sacrifices. We shouldn't say that, well, you know, this week we're only going to give this, 
or we're going to only go to here to help out because that's all the time we have. That's all the money we have. These are the resources we have. But if we're given the opportunity, we should really think about it, pray about it, uh, talk to God about it, and look at those opportunities for an opportunity for us to show love to God and use them, um, take them, and, uh, and offer that up. So here's an example that I'm sure everybody will will understand, and it is about money, So, uh, but I think it makes a good point. So does the sacrificial giving um, in our lives reflect uh, or impact us um, significantly? Does it make a difference? So an example that I have is, let's say that you um, give $100 up for your tithe, or you give it out to, to help someone else, um, but that's $100 that you offer up. But your Chick-fil-A or your Starbucks uh, allowance for the month is maybe two or $300, um, or even maybe more. In my house, it may be more. It seems like we're going to Chick-fil-A every other day except on Sunday. Um, but what's your comparison you know, are you offering something up? Is it truly sacrificial giving? Does it impact? Or are you just saying, well, I can afford this. Let me give this. Not a big deal. But whenever you compare it about some other things in our world life that we value, like Chick-fil-A, because I'm sure we can admit we value Chick-fil-A or Starbucks, are we really sacrificing enough? Are we really giving those resources up um, enough? So is it checking the box to appease God or not? And we have dozens upon dozens of examples, I think, like that in our lives. But this is just one, just to make a point. Our third truth um, about motivating Greek Christians to make great sacrifices is that they are convinced that the rewards outweigh the cost. So let's listen to Mark 10, verses 28 to 31. Then Peter began to speak up. We've given up everything to follow you, he said. Yes, Jesus replied, and I assure you that everyone who has given up house or brother or sister or mother or father or children or property for my sake and for the good news will receive now in return a hundred times as many houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and property, along with persecution. And in the world to come, that person will have eternal life. But many who are the greatest now will be least important then, and those who seem least important now will be the greatest then. All right, so the, the first point I want to make in there is not to treat heaven as an afterthought. So while, yes, we have salvation, um, Jesus sacrificed uh, for our sin, and our salvation is there, um, don't take that for granted and don't consider it an afterthought. We still have to invest our time. We still have to sacrifice um, our resources. Um, it's just not a, a canned example of we can do whatever we want to do and then we'll just get into heaven. So think about it in the forethought of your minds and not an afterthought after everything else is going in. Uh, so most people, like I said, take it for granted. They focus on other things. Uh, for example, when I, I go back to that slide is we focus on our pride, we focus on um, our recognition, we focus on our status at work or in life or even in church, um, but we don't focus enough, I think, on our, 
eternity. And that's something that really should be at the forefront that, that we should be focusing on. I think that you'd agree that uh, Christians believe that there's more than this life. Um, we just need to make sure our sacrifices and our actions uh, support that. And, uh, and heaven isn't an afterthought. But it seems like we're always focused on the trophies. We're not sacrificing our time, of course, our money, um, things for here and not necessarily up there. Uh, but that needs to be on our forefront, things that we're thinking about first. We can't be satisfied with just doing the minimum. We can't go through life and say, well, you know, I prayed this week, check. I went to church, check. I, I went, uh, I gave a little bit of money. I dropped a couple dollars in there or a couple coins, check. Um, don't think of it as a checkbox. Think of it as an opportunity to just reflect your love that God has for us. Uh, we tightly hold on to these plastic beads, things that are around your neck. Those always kind of take, seem to, seem to take a lot of emphasis in our lives. The things that uh, are hanging there that either are shown uh, to people or maybe even censored, but we, we link into those. Those are valuable. Um, and sometimes heaven uh, and our salvation is a little bit of an afterthought, and we can't have that. We, we need to put that first and sacrifice those beads for the real thing. Um, just like that girl did, she wasn't willing to give those things up, even though the most expensive things were probably worth a thousand or a million times more than those plastic beads she had that was sitting there in front of her. And she would not give that necklace up for what was in front of her. And it's just like we have everything in front of us. We have salvation. We have the streets of gold in heaven. Um, but we hold on to those necklaces very tight. So don't give God your leftovers. Don't give him the, the minimum. God wants more for you and me. Um, and it's something that, that sometimes there is a cost. Sometimes there is a significant cost uh, for those real pearls, those real things, and not the plastic or fake ones. So Jesus tells us right there in Scripture that if we sacrifice and we give up, what do we get back? Things that are hundreds, or I'll even add in thousands, or millions at the time of what we give up. So no matter what we have here, it doesn't compare with what's in heaven and what we get through our salvation. So can you think of someone today that's given up everything? Maybe some story you've seen in the news? Anybody have anything? I'll let you preach this segment. You got something. So we, you know, I, I heard a lot of stories. You know, Yvonne was here two weeks ago. Trust me, what, what he's done and, and the people that I've met through him, what they've done in the, in the uh, Amazon jungle um, to the indigenous people down there that haven't heard God, probably haven't even seen a Coke um, or a Pepsi or something like that. Probably don't see a lot of outsiders. The things that are done there or the things that are done um, elsewhere, um, they were clear that those, the people that I've met, um, have uh, definitely risked a lot um, and sacrificed a lot to bring the Word of God to people in the jungle or even in North Korea, for example. But there was a guy named, a 26-year-old named John Allen Chow, I believe it is, C-H-A-U. Anybody hear about him recently, a couple years ago? Maybe not. He was the guy that uh, went into the Bay of Bengal. And I was like, well, where's this at? I died never heard of Bay of Bengal, but if you don't know where that is, it's between India and Thailand. Um, there's a group of islands in that area, uh, indigenous people that, that um, haven't really seen 
human, not necessarily humans, but haven't seen um, people outside their little group. Uh, they're left alone. They're very hostile towards people and visitors. So John, you know, of all places that I'd go, I probably wouldn't go there, but he felt that um, God was calling him to that uh, grouping of islands, to those people, to spread the gospel and to teach um, them about the good news of Christ and hopefully lead them to salvation. So John went there. He felt called there. Um, people would tell him, very dangerous. Don't go out there, John. Bad things are going to happen. Uh, you know, there's been people killed out there before. They shoot arrows at every time you go out there. Fishermen were telling these, them these stories. He said, you know what, I want to go out there anyway. So he kayaked out there. Naturally, they came out on the beach. They're shooting these arrows at him. He's like, okay, I'm going to go back. This is serious. Uh, went back and, and basically prayed and said, you know what, God wants me out there to talk to these people. Went back out. He said, look, I want to lead you in worship. I want to talk to you. He's speaking through a translator. Um, and so he basically goes on the beach. And what do you think happens? He gets shot with arrows, dragged off, and killed. Um, he thought, and going back to this truth about uh, rewards outweigh the cost, he thought that the reward of him bringing the gospel to, to this indigenous tribe was more powerful about their salvation than the cost of his life. And he was willing to risk it, and ultimately, unfortunately, um, had to give up his life um, in the pursuit of spreading the good news of Christ. So it doesn't matter what the world thinks of you. Maybe, you're, maybe they think you're crazy, like John was. I'm sure that the fishermen there were like, hey, I told this guy, he wanted to go out there. Um, they probably thought he wasn't too bright, but, but it doesn't matter because the one that you should be looking to impress is God and, and living um, a sacrificial life for him. But I'm sure that John's probably up in heaven looking down on us, um, happy with the reward that he got out of giving his life. I'm not saying go out there and give you, trust me, I'm not saying get on a plane and go over to Bay of Bengal and try to do this. I'm just saying that as we talked about being a living sacrifice, um, looking for opportunities to give some of our resources, some of our time, um, sacrificially, then that's how we'll go from good to great. My last point uh, is the last conviction of those uh, that make great sacrifices is that they recognize God's sovereign ownership. Sacrifice is a privilege because everything already belongs to God. So let's look at Luke 17, uh, verses 7 through 10. When a servant comes in from plowing or taking care of the sheep, does his master say, come in and eat with me? No, he says, prepare my meal, put on your apron and serve me while I eat. Then you can eat later. And does the master thank the servant for doing what he was told to do? Of course not. In the same way, when you obey me, you should say, we are unworthy servants who have simply done our duty. So I'm going to make this a little bit more simply and say, uh, I'm going to use the term check the box. I'm going to say that our duty as servants, and I'm going to say, you know, I'm going to use some examples here in a minute, but it is to check the box. What are we expected to do? What are we supposed to be doing? So as humans, we love to check the box. How many times do you hear that? I hear that almost on a daily basis at work. 
Um, sometimes I hear it at home whenever I have the honeydew list with the, literally the check the box stuff and I go down there and cross it out. So uh, we do that for our jobs. We do it at home. We uh, sometimes don't want to do any more than what's on that list because on that list is often enough, right? So it doesn't matter if it's school. You know, I, I, my, my daughter's uh, going through elementary school and she'll bring home and she'll be like, I got to do these three things, one, two, three. And we go through the three things, check them off, and say, okay, that's good enough. I'm actually taking a class now. One of the first things I do is I look at what do I got to do for that semester? What things I got to check off? I look at the grading rubric, and I'm like, okay, this is what I need to do to get this grade and to come at the end and work up the points and to get my, you know, if I get a B, I'm good. That's what I do. I, I look at that. So I'm guilty of it as well. What about work? How many people go into work at 7.30 on time and then they just kind of hang out and do whatever until their boss comes in because then it's getting serious. Then I got to work. You know, I can't just check the box there. Hey, I'm here at 7.30. I'm ready to go. But actually, I wait till 10 and, uh, and then I take lunch an hour later. Um, so why don't do that? Why not do that with God, right? Hey, I come to church an hour on Sunday. I'm good. Forget about the other however many hours that comes up through the other six days, 23 hours of the week. Um, you don't get anything special for just checking the box, do you? If you check the box, that's the minimum, right? That's it. You fall below it, now then I guess you fail, or they will put you in some performance plan, and you'll give in like three years to bring it up to checking the box again. Um, or do you go beyond that? Jesus told this parable about the master, how the master reacts to the servant, talking about, hey, you did these things, but you didn't really do anything more, so you check the box and uh, go make me dinner and go do the dishes and do the things that I'm paying you to do. He didn't get the royal treatment because he did what he was hired to do. So people sometimes make sacrifices just to say that they make, that they make them, but are they really living a living sacrifice for God? We value something else. Going back to that slide, I put that up there about the things that we value, the pearls that are in our necklace. We value success, right? What's the job that we can uh, make the most money? We value our health, right? Are we doing things? Are we going to work out every day? Maybe we go and spend three hours in the gym, but we don't spend any time in the Word. We don't spend any time praying to God. So we value our health, we value our muscles, we value our, uh, our time in the gym. Possessions, maybe our looks, maybe some of us are model material. We do things to make sure our skin's good enough. Maybe our comfort, you know, we want to make sure that our comfort's important. But God doesn't value the same thing we do. Because he wants us to do more so that he can give us more, and those rewards are much greater. He wants us to do these things not just for him and his glory, but actually to help others as well. So I'll use a really quick illustration and, and kind of move past this point, but once a year I have to go through, it seems like, an endless amount of performance reports. Um, I think it comes out to about like 35 that I've got to write um, in one way or the other. And we have a two-tier system. It's either satisfactory or it's a failure. It's a thumbs up, thumbs down. 
naturally everybody pretty much gets a thumbs up because they do the minimum unless uh, we want to put a lot of time as a supervisor into writing them up which we don't want to do because we want to do the minimum um, people kind of go through and check the box and what do they get they get their salary just like up here they get what they are paid to do what their duty is but if you do a little bit more you go above you're great at your job we have an awards program, and they could get anywhere from $500 to $5,000 in addition to their salary. Um, so just as an illustration of good to great is you do what is in the checkbox at work to keep getting your money. You do, your, do the, you, uh, do the checkboxes in your life just to get by, or are you going above that to be rewarded above the normal? Um, and it's no different than in God's eyes. What he finds acceptable and what he's willing to reward you because you have a place in heaven because he's given you his sal the salvation um, to get there. So just the takeaway here is what I have, and that's kind of what I started with, is love and sacrifice go hand in hand. So I talked a lot about love. I talked a lot about sacrifice. I tied them together. Um, so the question I have is, have you chosen the fake beads, or are you willing to trade those in for the real deal? Um, and if you don't, and if you didn't get your fake beads, there's some on the way out. Please get one. <laughs> um, they don't. I bought a lot of them. They didn't cost very much, so please help yourself to them. But making a sacrifice, remember, gives us an opportunity to share our love for God, just like He shows for us. He loves us more than, um, more than anything. He's given his son to be crucified, a horrible death, to take our sins away. Jesus called us to be a living sacrifice. That's giving our resources, giving our whole self. Remember, I talked about just not physically, but I talked about spiritually. This was illustrated by the early disciples. Remember the stories of uh, them, a number of stories about facing death head on, going into a furnace because they were praying in public, um, facing a giant with a slingshot and a rock. You know, there's plenty of stories in there about the disciples facing death or risking death. And what was their reward is they defeated the giant. They survived the blast furnaces and countless other stories where they've succeeded. Now, there were times where their sacrifices um, ended with death. Um, but the point being is they were rewarded for their uh, sacrificial living. So they made great sacrifices. I know that it's hard to be telling you that uh, to give your entire life to God. So I, I walk through kind of some truths where you can become a living sacrifice and go from just being a, a good person, a good Christian, to being a great one and being a model for others uh, to look up to. So I'm asking you kind of two things today. One is to reflect on what we talked about today. What sacrifices are you willing to make for God and what's hanging around your neck that you're willing to trade in today. Uh, the second thing is reflect on these four truths that I talked about today and what can you consider changing in your life to be transformed, um, to bring glory to God, but also to help others. So when we become the believers, we are transformed. Our mindset changes, our outlook and life changes, our experiences in life and, and our outward experiences and, and things how we uh, touch others or transformed into something better. Um, I've, I've listened to a song, Symphony. Anybody hear that by Switch? 
If not, check my Facebook uh, post I posted last night about that. But it talks, the song talks about all the chaos, all the bad stuff in our life. God's still writing a symphony in our life. Um, and we just need to make sure that we're focusing on God and not on these pearls. So he wants us to be an example. He wants us to transform others. He wants us to tell them about salvation. And by making some sacrifices, we're able to give that. And that's what we do to be good to great. Thanks. So let me just pray at the end, and then we'll go into our last worship song. So please pray with me. Dear Lord, thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity and giving us the opportunity to hear about uh, being a living sacrifice and, and sacrifice in general, Lord, and what we can do in our lives to uh, transform from good to great and be a reflection of your love, Lord, um, that you've shown to um, so many stories in the Bible and, and you've uh, uh, just really blessed people for their sacrifices that they were willing to make and the rewards were great uh, for those sacrifices. So let us consider that in our uh, life this week, um, in, in our work, uh, in our personal lives and all those things and looking for opportunities to uh, make some sacrifices, Lord, to show your love uh, for us and for the world. For this we pray in your son's most holy name. Amen.